0: listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Well, good morning, church family. I'm going to make sure I'm on because I wasn't on earlier. Yes, I am. We are winning. (laughs) Uh, Good morning. It's... uh, so good to worship with you this morning. I I do want to let you know that we will be taking communion together uh later on and um so if you need to grab some elements if uh to be prepared for that, uh please do so. And uh I think we've got something still dinging somewhere. If you need to grab some communion elements, uh, some bread, and if you don't have juice, then, then grab something to drink that is special, that'll help you to celebrate and remember what Christ did for you and for me. Uh, we'll be doing that together at the end of the service. Well, we are just a couple weeks away from Easter, and a theme this year is Empty, I find it ironic because I'm speaking in a mostly empty room. So much of what we pursue, hoping that it's going to fill us up, leaves us feeling as empty as the packages that they came in. Uh, Maybe, maybe for you, it's an empty Amazon box or an empty bottle or the empty ballot box from the last election. It could be empty promises, either that someone has made to you or that you've made to yourself or that you've made to others. But emptiness is something that we struggle with, especially especially in America. And I think of Jesus's words that says, when he said that, what does a prophet of man? They gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul. And so there is one thing though, that Though it's empty, it promises life. And we're going to talk about that Easter. So I encourage you to be inviting your friends. We should still be streaming services then. I don't think we're going to be beyond this quarantine, this uh, shelter shelter in place, order by the governor. So invite your friends to watch our service and um, invite them in, invite them in. Well, we're exploring what it looks like to experience God. And I don't want this to just be another study about God. I want us to actually engage with the God of the universe and really experience him in our lives. And I think that's what God desires for all of us. And so we've looked at four principles so far. We're going to look at the fifth one today. This idea, this thought of a crisis of belief, but God is always at work. Number one, God is always at work. Number two, God is pursuing you. And not only is he pursuing you, but he's pursuing others through you. Three, he invites you to join him. And four, hearing God starts by giving God closeness and attention. I loved hearing Logan's uh, journey this last week. I knew about that journey, but I heard more of it. and uh, I just love the, him sharing that with us. He said that closeness includes time and space, that when we give God closeness, we do that by creating time and space to be near him. And we need that personal time with time and space. We need time and space with our havarim, those who journey with us, our care group, our life transforming groups, these small groups where people wrestle over God's word together with us and speak truth into our lives. And we do the same for them. And then, and then the church as a larger body. Some, we need time and space with our church and we need regular time and space in all three of those areas. Our personal time, our time to wrestle with our havarim, our small groups, and then the church. And we see all of these principles play out in the life of Moses as God comes to him in Exodus 3. In Exodus 3, Moses notices that there's a bush. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed by the fire. God comes to Moses with a plan to save Israel. And so God's pursuing Moses and he's pursuing through Moses, the people of Israel. God invites Moses to join him. And Moses in turn gives God closeness and attention. Moses chooses to come near and he asks questions. So he takes advantage of that feedback loop that we talked about last week. Well, in Exodus three ten through 12, we see these words. God says, come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that when I have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. (laughs) I... I think that's such a a strange sign In footnotes this week, we'll talk about uh, Jesus being approached by some Pharisees and Sadducees and they ask him for a sign. And he says, a sign won't be given. And we'll talk about why Jesus would say that, but God offering this sign to Moses in this way would be like me offering to take you to Hawaii and saying, Hey, I'm going to, Pay for this trip after we get back. I just need you to front the money. Like all all expense paid trip, you and I, we're going to Hawaii, do whatever you want to do. I'm paying for it after you fork out the money to get us there. When we get back, I promise you, I'll take care of the bill. It kind of reminds me of a story in my own life. Uh, Jake and Josh, our two oldest, they were toddlers. Joy was on her way. And Christy and the kids, we were living in this 700 square foot home and we were quickly outgrowing it. And we had a $20,000 inheritance, so we had some money and savings. And we thought about adding on to the house because we just moved there. We just moved in just a couple years prior to that. And I went to my uncle and I said, hey, how much to add on to this house? 700 square feet. It was going to be $40,000. I didn't have 40. I had 20. I had half that. So next we tried selling the house and we were doing everything. Like we spent a couple months trying to sell the house. And have you ever felt like you're running in quicksand, uphill, headwind, like you're going nowhere fast. And I, I was so frustrated and I'm going, something is off here. And so I told Christy, I said, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray I'm gonna fast and we're gonna wait. I just wanna see what God wants us to do in this because it seems like everything's against us. So the next day I get up and I spend some time with the Lord, I go to work and then I come home midday to pick Christy up for an appointment to see the doc. And usually I'd pull in the back of the house to park, but this day I pull up front because I was just, Slowing down, while I was going to stop, let Christy get in the car, and go. And as I pulled up and stopped in front of the house, as clear as day, I heard God say, "Add on to the house, two bedrooms and a family room." Well, I knew I knew this was God, but I, like, how do I do this? I felt like Moses saying, "How do I lead the people out of?" Israel, out of Egypt. So I go to my friend, Frankie. Frankie was one of my Havareem. He was part of our small group that I was a part of. We served in ministry together. And I said, Frankie, I believe God wants me to add on to our house. Will you help? And he says, absolutely. I said, how much is this going to cost? And what he said floored me. Let's find out. (laughs) Okay, let's find out. Well, in order to experience God, you have to believe and you have to move. You have to believe that God is is true. That God is going to be there in the midst of everything that you face. You have to believe God and what he says. When he says, come with me. When it comes to discipleship, you have to believe that he's going to change you. That if you follow Jesus, he's going to change you. And he's going to give you the ability to make disciples. And so you have to believe and you have to move. You have to start heading that direction, whatever direction God is calling you to. You have to start going with him. Well, there's something that always gets in the way. It's called fear. This is a crisis of belief. If the thing that God is calling you to doesn't cause you some angst, some fear, maybe it's not God calling you to it. My dad used to say, if you could see to the end of where God's leading you, then you don't need God to go there. If there's something, if there's nothing calling, causing you fear, you're probably not going to experience God because this is such a common common experience. We see this played out throughout the scriptures. I just want to highlight a few stories, but we see this in Acts chapter eight. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is at a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So we see Philip respond to God's leading, but there had to be some fears. There's a number that he could have faced. I don't know. You know, scriptures don't tell us what he felt, but first the first possible fear is social. I don't know that guy. He doesn't know me. Like, do I go and start having a spiritual conversation with him? The second is cultural. Like, this guy's from another country. How, how do I even know that he's going to understand me? And then the third fear that he could face was status. I mean, this is a rich man. He probably had uh, a cohort a cohort of uh, uh of military men surrounding him. Like, these guys were from different positions socially. They had different statuses. Their bank accounts looked drastically different. How do I go talk to this guy? Is he going to listen to Buck 50 Rob? And then finally, uh, there's a fear of religion of a religious difference. Like, how do I know he's gonna accept the words that I'm gonna say? I'm Jewish, he's Gentile. Like, will we even be able to have a conversation that, that he could even understand? I've, I've faced all these fears. I've wrestled with, through all of these. What's interesting though is the result. Philip obeyed. He obeyed the angel. And then when the Holy Spirit prompted him, he obeyed again. And he didn't have to have all the answers to go. He just had to face this crisis of belief. And in the midst of it, Philip experienced God. And he led a stranger to Christ. He was able to baptize him. Such a cool story. Such a cool story. We see that this played out in Ananias' life in Acts chapter 9. Regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So again, Ananias, he knew that this was God's leading. If you want to know, man, how do I know this is God calling me to this? And you didn't hear last week's message, I invite you to go back and take a listen. But Ananias was past that. Like, he knew this was God. In fact, we see him use the feedback loop that we talked about last week. Like he's engaging fully in the things that God's saying because he's asking God questions. He's wrestling through this. It's a common part of the Christian faith to wrestle with God over what God's telling us to do. But he had to face this fear of personal security, safety. And I know that I've wrestled with this in my military career. People would tell me, hey, careful what you say. There's a separation of church and state. Now, I think that's a misapplication of that concept. But it was something I had to be mindful of that. Some people felt like me talking about my faith while serving in the military was antithetical to, the way we operate as a nation. And so like, was I putting my career on, on the line? Like those were the kinds of things that I had to wrestle with. Was it safe for me to have this conversation? Well, again, the result was amazing. I mean, Ananias got to experience God in such a cool way. And see, God absolutely change a man that who had been the number one persecutor of the church. He became the number one champion for the church. And in fact, Saul would become the focus of the persecution. Like the persecutor was now being persecuted and he was the focus of the Jews for a long time. And he would become the Apostle Paul and he was instrumental in watching the church grow. And for Ananias, like he knew where that started. So cool for him. Well, in Acts 21, we see this play out again, this time in the Apostle Paul's life, when he returns to Jerusalem after a missionary journey. Now, Paul, when he comes to Jerusalem, he's welcomed by the other followers of Jesus. But within Judaism, there were rumors that Paul taught the Jews that lived outside of Israel, the places where, where Paul had gone to minister, there were Jews from outside of Israel They were saying that Paul was teaching them to forsake Moses, to, for, to stop being Jewish, which was never part of Paul's message. And so the church in Jerusalem came together and they made a plan. Let's look at these words found in Acts 21. Do therefore what we tell you. This is the church talking to Paul. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. So in this case, we see God speak to someone through the church. And so in other cases, we see God speaking through his spirit, through his angel, but in this case, God speaks through his church. And Paul's life is at risk here. Paul's being accused of the same thing that Jesus was accused of and they crucified Jesus. And so Paul's at risk here. But the church said, submit yourself to the priest, give testimony to the priest in the way Moses prescribed. In other words, show the world that you are still Jewish, that you follow Torah. And yet Paul would have to face fears too. By following the advice of the church, this could lead to the end of his life. It could lead to the end of his ministry. In fact, this changes the course of his ministry for the rest of his life. And as a result, Paul was arrested by the Roman soldiers in order to protect Paul. Like they were afraid that Paul was going to be torn apart. And we know that Paul would eventually go to Rome and that Paul, while in prison, would write nearly a quarter of the New Testament. And so we have on record... Just how the church functioned and what they were thinking about, and the conversations that they're having during that time frame, because Paul was sequestered. He was stuck in prison. Well, going back to our story about our house addition, I had my own fears. I had this fear of failure. Would God see me through this? Would we have enough money to make this happen? Did I have what it took to accomplish the task? And honestly, there were so many times where I felt like, God, I, I don't have what it takes. There were a number of times I will have quit during that six month process of adding on to our house if it wasn't for the fact that I knew clearly that God was calling me to this. And the result was amazing. Like, we got to experience God in so many ways. I, it, it changed my outlook forever. Like I said, we had, we had $20,000 to do a 700-foot addition. But we didn't just do the addition. We re-roofed the whole house. We, we redid the whole kitchen. All new windows. We, we removed the best of siding because we couldn't match it. And so we removed it, had to mitigate it. We had to do disposal. And then we sided the whole house with vinyl siding and I will never do vinyl siding again. It's a story for another day. We did all of that for $20,000. The addition was supposed to be 40. We did the addition and so much more for $20,000. I couldn't believe it. I got to experience God though. That was, that was the greatest thing. Guys, the implication is this. Fear, crisis of belief is a normal reaction to invitations from God. Fear, crisis of belief is a normal reaction. When God invites you into something new, it, over and over and over again, I have felt inadequate. Over and over and over again, I wondered if I would have enough. I wondered if I would be enough. I wondered if I was the right guy for what God was calling me to. Everything that we see in Ananias and Moses and the questions that they wrestle with, I've wrestled with those questions. And I bet you have too. And I just want you to know, it's a normal reaction. It's a normal reaction. But our call to action is still follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. Because when we do that, when we follow Jesus to wherever he's leading, and we overcome those fears and we face that crisis of belief, he changes us and we get to be on mission with him and we get to experience him in brand new ways. And that's the invitation for you. We're gonna take some time to uh, consider Jesus and celebrating communion you know, Jesus had his own fears that he had to face in the garden. And he says, Father, if you can, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will. Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. And yet he was faithful. And so we come together each week remember the body broken for us. Jesus said these words, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember the price that Christ was willing to pay for you and I. Jesus, it amazes me to think that you face fears You were so intent that night when you were praying in the garden that drops of blood came from your brow. I can't imagine what that felt like. But you were faithful. And Lord, we choose to be faithful too. We choose to go where you lead us. We choose to let you change us. We choose to be on mission with you. Our God, our King, we want to experience you today and every day. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.